Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. This morning, if you have your Bibles there or even a smartphone with a Bible app on it, I want to ask if you would to open with me to the New Testament book of Philippians, to Philippians chapter 1 for our time together this morning. Last Sunday, we began a new series of sermons called uh, Joy for the Journey, Joy for the Journey. Now, I imagine this morning that all of us enjoy on some level of going on a journey. We enjoy the opportunity to travel. Uh, Maybe you're sitting here in the midst of this stay-at-home order, this time of quarantine, and you're thinking to yourself, man, I would love to just go anywhere right now. Forget the journey. I mean, just let me go to uh, TJ Maxx or some store without any inconvenience. And, And of course, we can all relate to that sentiment. But we do all enjoy a journey. I imagine when you think about a journey, perhaps uh, you, like me, think about a family trip and you think about going somewhere that you've desired to go. Maybe you think about something simple like a leisurely walk through the woods or a a hike to some picturesque scene. Uh, Maybe you envision a dream vacation where you get to go and do whatever you want to do. The fact is we all enjoy on some level a journey. And because of our uh, perspective, if you will, when we think about a journey, we normally envision the wonderful idealistic view, so to speak, of a journey. We think about that grand destination. We think about those memories that will be made. We think about that picturesque scenic view that we will enjoy at the end of this long hike, so to speak. The fact is we don't often think about the difficulties along the way. We don't think about the hardships along the way. For example, we're reminded, though, that every journey is filled with both ups and downs. For example, yes, the family trip you go on might be wonderful, but perhaps you didn't envision missing that exit or getting a speeding ticket along the way or spending so much money on your family journey. Yes, you might enjoy that hike through the woods and that picturesque scene that you see at the end, but, but you don't envision getting eat up with mosquitoes. You don't envision kind of losing your footing and twisting your ankle. You don't envision it taking longer than maybe you had hoped for. Even the dream vacation, as wonderful as that may be, you don't envision having the plane delayed or stalled. You don't envision some of the challenges that may come. You don't envision getting back home and the suitcase still being packed for two months because you just hadn't had the time to get back to it. That might sound a little bit uh, sarcastic and maybe even a bit harsh, but I hope I'm painting the picture that in the midst of a journey, there are mountains and valleys, highs and lows. There there are times that we face those wonderful moments of experience, of, of exuberance and excitement, but there are also times that we face things that are difficult and challenging and discouraging along the way. So how can we manage this journey of life? How can we stay the course and stay focused? How can we have confidence and assurance as we walk through this journey? How in the world can we have joy? Well, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned these words from the book of Philippians, this letter to the church at Philippi, that show us exactly how we can have joy for the journey. Paul, of course, understood the ups and downs of life. Ten years prior to writing this letter, Paul had been in the region of Philippi, he'd been in the city there, and he had seen many people come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Three specific people, and then the household of all the the jailer's entire household, they believed in Jesus, they were baptized, and God began to work in establishing the church at Philippi. 
That was a momentous, joyful mountaintop experience, so to speak. But 10 years later, as Paul now writes to them, Paul is in a very different situation. Now, his confidence is still sure and his faith is still sure, but the fact is, from man's perspective, he was in a very low place in life. From man's perspective, this is not where we'd want to see Paul. In fact, as Paul penned these words, he is writing as a prisoner in Rome. He's in a place where some have described it as house arrest. Some have said he's in a place like a dungeon. But what we know is he was a prisoner of Rome. Literally, he was in chains bound to a guard 24 hours a day. And yet in the midst of this difficulty, in the midst of this imprisonment, In the midst of this incredible time of challenge, the fact is Paul wrote about the importance of joy. Now, please understand this morning, there are some ways that we might be able to relate to what he was going through. We we often think in this context that social distancing is absolutely terrible, right? But it's nothing compared to what Paul himself faced as he longed to be with the believers but was unable to do so. We think that the stay-at-home orders are bad, but it's nothing compared to what Paul was experiencing in this moment as he literally is imprisoned and bound to a guard. Maybe you're sitting there in the midst of this quarantine and you're thinking, man, I, I feel a bit bound even to my family. Man, I just need a break. Well, Paul was in a place where he desired to have a break. He desired to be out, and yet that couldn't happen. So even there in the midst of his circumstance, even in the midst of his crisis, even in the midst of his chains, Paul says, I want you to know something. There is still joy. There is still joy. Friend, I want you to know this morning that joy is a deep abiding satisfaction that God gives to his children who walk with him and trust him. Joy is a deep abiding satisfaction that comes from within that is only imparted to those who are truly followers of Jesus. Jesus said it this way in John 15, verse 11, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. In other words, there is joy when we believe in Jesus and live according to his word. That's why the apostle Paul could say in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, I am, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4, I am overflowing with joy in all of our affliction. How could Paul say that? Friend, I want you to know this morning, the reason that Paul could have joy, even in the midst of his affliction, is simply because of this way. His joy was not found in his situation per se. His joy was found in his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as long as he was focused on Jesus, as long as he was trusting Jesus, as long as he was living for Jesus, he had joy for the journey. And you can too. This morning in Philippians chapter one, as we open God's word, maybe you're sitting there in your living room wondering, how is this possible? How can I have joy in this journey? Even when life is hard, how is this possible? I believe God answers that once again here in Philippians chapter one, beginning in verse 12. Listen to what God says in his word through the apostle Paul. He says, now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ, even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. 
The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And listen to what he says. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you so much today for the gospel and how it saves souls and changes lives. Thank you for the good news that you've made available to us. I pray together in our time as we study your word that we would all receive it by faith. And having received it by faith, we'd be faithful to share it with others. May it all be for the glory and praise of Jesus. Amen. This morning, as we consider how Paul had joy in the midst of his journey, even as a prisoner of Rome, we come to a second reality that brought joy to the apostle Paul. Last week, we saw how Paul had joy as he considered the body of Christ, the believers there in the city of Philippi. But today, I want us to see a second truth, and that is this. I want us to see that there is joy in the gospel. There is joy in the gospel. When you receive the gospel message by faith, it brings joy in our life, joy even that Jesus said that is made full. Not only does it make us bring us joy when we receive it by faith, but even as we share it with others, we experience the fullness of joy as God works and moves in incredible ways. Paul found joy in the gospel. So the simple question then is this, what is the gospel? What is the gospel that, that Paul is talking so much about when he says that my circumstances have led to the greater progress of the gospel? What is that? Please understand this morning. The gospel is so simple and so clear. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses one through four. Paul says, now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you've received and which also you stand, but which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Listen to what he says. For I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. The gospel is so simple. Don't confuse it. Don't twist it. Don't take away from it. Don't add to it. Here is the gospel. It is the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for our sins. It is the burial of Jesus Christ. He was placed into a borrowed tomb and it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He rose again from the grave. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is nothing less and it is absolutely nothing more. Many try to add to it, either by their own devices or their own being, uh, be, being deceived. Many try to add to it to make it about works and make it about this and make it about that and all these different things. But in the end, every single one of those individuals, it causes them to come to a place of confusion, discouragement, and even hopelessness. Why? Because there are no works of man that can bring about salvation. The only work is the working of the God-man, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, and yet the Son of God who willingly came. He gave his life on the cross for the sins of the world. He was put into a borrowed tomb, and three days later, he rose again from the grave. 
That is the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul even says in Galatians chapter one that this gospel was not of man. It came by direct revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Paul concludes, therefore, if anyone adds to or takes away, let that person be accursed. The gospel is so simple. Notice there are three things about the gospel here in Philippians chapter one that I think brought Paul great joy. And they should bring us joy today if we receive it by faith and are faithful to share it with others as the apostle Paul modeled for us. So three things. Number one, I want you to consider this morning the power of the gospel. The apostle Paul says in verse 12, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. Yes, the gospel message is simple. But I think it's also important for us to recognize the gospel is also powerful. The apostle Paul said it this way in Romans chapter one, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Think for a moment about who the apostle Paul was saying this to. He was writing this to the believers in Rome. Rome was the most powerful kingdom at that time. Rome was the conqueror of the ancient world. They literally led with such fear and trepidation. They had legions set up all over the world. They boasted of power, boasted of authority. But the apostle Paul looks and says this, Rome may have power and Rome may have soldiers and Rome may have influence and Rome may be conquering kingdoms, but I want you to know it is only the gospel that has the power to save souls and set men free from their sin. It's only the gospel that has the power to change lives. It's only the gospel that has the power to give purpose and meaning and life to all mankind. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. That's why the apostle Paul, even in prison, would look and say this. I want you to know that my circumstance has led to the greater progress of the gospel. Why? Because the gospel has power. The gospel has power. I want you to consider two realities about the power of the gospel. First, I want you to consider this reality. The gospel is not changed by my circumstances. The gospel is not changed by my circumstances. The apostle Paul, no doubt, was in a circumstance. He was in a time of great difficulty. Paul did not dismiss his circumstance. He did not ignore it. He didn't try to deceive himself. He didn't tell himself, hey, put on a happy face and act like everything's okay. No, he acknowledged it. He acknowledged it right up front. Listen, I'm in the midst of a circumstance. Here I am literally imprisoned and in chains. Paul faced all sorts of difficulty. In fact, we see them recorded in some extent to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Listen to these verses of scripture as Paul talks about the circumstances he faced. He says, I've been in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and I've been in hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. He goes on to talk about his concern even for the churches. My point is this, Paul faced circumstances. 
As difficult as this season may be for us, I would almost guarantee you this morning that we face nothing of the circumstances the Apostle Paul faced. And yet in the midst of his circumstances, Paul was clinging to this truth. There is no circumstance he could face that would ever change the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why when we read the book of Philippians, we don't see that Paul was down in the dumps. We don't see him whining. We don't see him arguing. We don't see him criticizing. Instead, in the midst of his suffering, what he's doing is he's looking to Jesus. He's focused on Jesus. He's being faithful to his calling in Jesus. Why? Because he recognizes that even in the circumstances that God is still God and that God is still good and the gospel is not bound, the gospel's still moving and the gospel can't be changed. For now, I want you to know this morning, God has forever settled in heaven what the good news really is. And here it is. It's so simple. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These things have occurred. These things have happened. And through it, God offers eternal life to all who believe. Friend, no matter what you face, no matter what you feel, there is nothing that will change the gospel, the truth of the gospel. Paul had longed to get to Rome as a preacher, but instead he went as a prisoner. Now, to most of us, we would say, man, what a disappointment. What a failure. He wanted to get there to preach the gospel, but instead he got there as a prisoner. But Paul wasn't discouraged, nor was he deterred. Why? Because the gospel was still the truth. It was still the good news. It hadn't changed at all. And so while many people would be discouraged, here's what Paul saw. Paul saw an open door of opportunity. Second thing I want you to see about the gospel is this. Not only is the gospel not changed by my circumstances, I kind of already alluded to it, and that is this. Number two, the gospel is not chained in my circumstances. The gospel is not chained in my circumstances. He literally says it's turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. My circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Please understand, remember, Paul was in a Roman prison. Paul desired to get to the church to encourage them and strengthen them. Paul desired to turn his attention to the the millions of people who had not yet heard the gospel. He wanted to get there and go, but he couldn't. He was imprisoned. He literally was in chains. In fact, the Bible tells us in verse 13 that he was being guarded by the Praetorian Guard. Now, we know today that Praetorian Guard was this group of select army uh, officials, select soldiers who were given the incredible responsibility of taking care of and protecting the emperor. These were the soldiers of the soldiers. These were the cream of the crop. In fact, we know today that there were about 9,000 of them at that time there in Rome. And these are the ones that are assigned to taking care of the Apostle Paul. Not only that, we know that Paul was literally bound by chains to one of the guards 24 hours a day. And we also know that those guards change shifts every six hours. So picture the scene. In a 24-hour period, the Apostle Paul was directly connected by chains to four different guards. Yet in the midst of that, he's not discouraged. He's not defeated. No, he is seeing the opportunity that God put before him. Let me ask you a question this morning. What would you do in that moment? If you were in a place where you were imprisoned simply for proclaiming the name of Jesus, what would you do if your freedoms were gone simply because you proclaimed the name of Jesus? What would you do if you were bound in chains to a big, powerful Roman guard who makes up the praetorian 24 hours a day, how would you respond? 
I can't speak for you, but I'm going to just tell you the truth. I, I would probably be trying to build a case. What's my legal argument for how I can get out of this situation? Maybe in the midst of that, we wouldn't be building a case. Maybe instead, we'd, we'd just get discouraged and we'd question God. God, where are you in the midst of my circumstance? And why are you allowing this to happen? Maybe we'd be overwhelmed by feelings of uh, that things were unfair. Maybe we'd get angry with God because we felt like it was completely undeserved and maybe God should do something different about it. No, that's how we might respond, but that's not how the apostle Paul responded. Frankly, instead of anger and bitterness and resentment, he saw an opportunity. So here's what he did, determined. He determined that even in the midst of prison, he could be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Even in the midst of, uh, of being restricted and being enchained, he would be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because the gospel is not chained in my circumstances. The gospel still had power to work in the prison just as it did when he was in freedom. Didn't matter that he didn't have a platform. Here's what he did have. He had a prison cell. And guess what? It may not have been a multitude, but he had a captive audience as the guard was there. Here's what the apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. He said, listen, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship. Listen to the statement. Even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not imprisoned. Paul was. He knew what it was like to fill those chains, but here's what he knew. He knew that the gospel was not in chains and that made all the difference in the world. This statement, when the Bible tells us here that his circumstances turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, this word, the greater progress in the Greek literally means a pioneer advance, a pioneer advancement. In the Greek culture, this was a military term that was used to refer to an army engineer who would go before the troops to open the way into new territory. So if you will, it's a pioneer advancement. The gospel was going forward into new places, into new people, into new territories, even in the midst of Paul's imprisonment. And Paul began to look at how the gospel was going forward, and in this, he rejoiced. Yes, his physical power, so to speak, his freedoms were limited, but the gospel did not have such limitations. So he knew in the midst of his circumstances, guess what? The gospel is still going forward to new people, to new places, to new territories. And in this, he rejoiced. Warren Wiersbe said it well. When you have the single mind, you look on your circumstances as God-given opportunities for the furtherance of the gospel. Listen to this. And you rejoice at what God is going to do instead of complaining about what God did not do. How often do we get caught up in what God didn't do? How often we get caught up when things didn't work out the way that we anticipated, but here's the reality. When we look to God, when we trust him, when we understand the power of the gospel, that it can go forward, it can move forward in ways that we can never even imagine, then it gives us confidence and it gives us assurance about what God can do in the midst of it all. Friend, what I want you to see this morning is this. What Satan meant for evil, God meant for good. There is nothing that Paul experienced. There is nothing that he faced that was going to restrict the furtherance of the gospel. It didn't matter his chains. It didn't matter his critics. It didn't matter the crisis that he found himself in. He knew that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ could not and would not be bound. I think we need to be reminded of that this morning. During this time of quarantine, you may feel bound. You may literally be bound to your house or even to your room, but I want you to know this morning, the gospel is not bound at all. It is still moving forward in many different ways. 
It's moving forward in neighborhoods as, as we've heard testimony of many of you who've been able to build relationships with neighbors that you'd never met before. Many of you are riding on sidewalks or you've painted on windows a picture of the gospel. Some of you have taken cards, prayer cards, and you've taken them to neighbors in your neighborhood and those neighbors are bringing them back and saying, hey, please pray for me. God is furthering the gospel even in the midst of this time in workplaces as people are concerned and they're anxious and frankly, they're even frustrated and they've got all kinds of questions and a lot of strong feelings because the fact of the matter is they're realizing we don't have answers in Washington and we don't have answers in the medical force. We don't have answers by the doctors, so to speak. No, but we need answers still. And so people are asking questions. And so many of our workplaces, the gospel's moving forward in ways that it never has in our lives. The gospel's moving forward through the online platform as preachers and ministers and, and, and churches are learning to go online and take the gospel out. Friend, I want you to know this morning, I have not been happy when Facebook has crashed. I've not been happy when certain platforms have gone down. But I'll tell you this, it blesses my heart to know that it's often crashing because of the volume of the church as the gospel's going forth and the amount of people are tuning in. It's amazing to me when the gospel overwhelms a social platform. I kind of laugh about that in some ways, but here's the reality. The reality is the gospel has power to save souls and change lives, and it is not imprisoned. The gospel is not staying at home. It's going out. The power of the gospel. Paul rejoiced in that. But secondly, it brings me to another point, and that is this. I want you to see how Paul rejoiced in the proclamation of the gospel, the telling, the declaring, the announcing the gospel. Paul understood the importance of the gospel, but he also understood how the gospel progresses, it must be proclaimed. It must be shared. It must be spoken aloud. Some like to use the old quote, well, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. Now that sounds good. And there's a part of that that appeals to us and there's a part of that that may be true in the sense that our life, our practice, our conduct should certainly be pointing to a change in our lives. But here's the reality. There's something wrong with that statement. And that's something wrong with that statement is this. People will not believe the good news unless they hear the good news. Yes, may my life back that up. May the evidence be clear from my life. But please understand, we have a calling by God to share that good news with others through our words. People will not know the gospel without hearing the good news. Here's how the apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 10. He said, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him who they have not, listen, heard, he says. And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. In other words, please hear it loud and clear. In order for people to believe the good news of the gospel, they must hear it. And how do they hear it? They hear it as you and I, followers of Jesus, share the good news of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how they believe. They believe by hearing and by having that opportunity to respond. Paul clearly modeled this while in prison. So here he is, chained to a guard. He couldn't get to the entire church there in Philippi or to other churches, but he had his prison cell. He couldn't go door to door, so guess what God did? God brought soldier after soldier there to his cell where he would have six hours every single day with each guard one at a time to talk to them, to pray for them, to share the gospel with them. 
I imagine they were amazed as they heard the truth of the gospel and the evidence that Paul was presenting. I imagine they were amazed as he showed them love and compassion. I imagine they were amazed as they saw the peace and the calm and even the joy that he had in the midst of prison. Make no mistake about it. God in this moment was putting Paul in a position where he could proclaim the gospel one-on-one with these guards. Please understand, Paul desired to get to Rome. Paul saw Rome as a great opportunity. Man, if I can get the gospel there, if the gospel can go to Rome, the gospel could go from there and it could be announced throughout all the world. Think of what God could do in this moment. Paul never would have dreamed that he would go there as a prisoner. (laughs) That wasn't in the cards, so to speak. That's not what he was looking for. That's not what he was thinking of. And yet that's how God got him there. So there he is as a prisoner. He's not discouraged. You know why? Because the prison couldn't stop his preaching. His location couldn't limit the divine calling and purpose that God had for his life. So there, even in that prison, Paul begins to speak to the Praetorian Guard. He begins to speak to them about the truth. Think about this for a moment. Back away from the forest, kind of get the 10,000 foot view for just a moment, if you will. Now, I imagine if we were the Apostle Paul, if I were the Apostle, I'd be thinking, God, what's going on here? I'd probably have a little bit of a woe is me attitude. God, can't you do something about this? But please understand, Paul recognized that God got him right where he needed to be. Not only that, notice what else happened. There were people in the Praetorian Guard that were hearing the gospel at this time that otherwise would have never heard. You think the Praetorian Guard would have come to the local temple if the Apostle Paul was preaching there over the weekend? Not likely. Do you think they would be allowed to by the emperor of Rome? Do you think they'd be allowed to go and have a clear hearing of the gospel and be brought to a place of response? Not likely. For those Praetorian Guards, that God sent them a personal missionary to be right there with them, telling them the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how much God cares for people. Yeah, all the people in our life, our neighbors across the street, yeah, all the people in your workplace, yes, all the people throughout this valley and beyond throughout the ends of the earth, God loves them so much. He's called you and I to be personal missionaries, to go and proclaim the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the gospel was not in prison. Only God could take such a circumstance, such a crisis, and use it to further the gospel. Here's how Warren Wiersbe said it. I love this statement. Let us sink in for just a moment. Sometimes... God has to put chains on people to get them to accomplish a pioneer advance. Sometimes, if you will, my paraphrase, God has to allow crisis and circumstance to get us out of our comfort zones to move forward with him and to move forward in sharing the gospel in ways that we otherwise likely would not have done. God worked through his circumstance in a way that Paul could not have envisioned. God was doing much more of the same, I believe, even still today, because the gospel is not bound. But not only did Paul begin to share the gospel with these guards, notice what else happened. Paul says specifically these simple words. Verse 14, most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Picture the scene. As Paul is in a Roman prison, boldly sharing the gospel, boldly pointing people to Jesus, guess what happens? Not only was Paul ministering in the prison, but believers in the region who were outside of the prison, they were hearing about it. How were they hearing about it? Most likely because there were guards who were being saved. 
Most likely because there are guards that were chattering to one another. We don't know that for sure, but that seems likely the case. Here's what we know. The Bible says as he's there in prison and as he's speaking the truth, he's sharing the gospel, as God is doing work, they begin to be encouraged. They begin to be motivated. They begin to be inspired so much so in verse 14 that the Bible says they began to speak the word of God without fear. This word for speak means literally conversational language. It's what you and I do every day. When you pick up the phone and call somebody, when you talk to the neighbor across the street, when you talk to the coworker, it's just everyday conversational language. Because of what Paul did in his boldness, it motivated them and encouraged them and inspired them to do the same. It encouraged them to be the witness that God had called them to be. I believe his example, frankly, was convicting. I believe in this moment, they're kind of in the moment where they're asking themselves, why are we so afraid? What, what are we doing? Paul, Paul's in prison and look at how he's sharing the gospel. Look at his boldness. Look at his conviction. Look what God's doing. Why are we in our freedom so, so, so content to be silent? Why are we afraid of what's going to happen? Why are we more concerned about offending someone than we are offering them eternal life? They begin to be stirred up to do what God all along has called them and commissioned them to do. Well, I want to list two things from this verse of scripture that I believe God would have us to do. How can we today get to this place where we too are speaking the truth without fear? I'm going to list them as, as a word of action and a word of prayer. What to pray for in our life. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, man, but pastor, that sounds great. That'll preach good, but that's not me. Like, how can I get there? I would say two things. Number one, let us pray today for confidence in the Lord. Let us begin praying that today, but let us every day beyond this pray for confidence in the Lord. The Bible says here in this verse of scripture, verse 14, that as, as this happened in, in prison, as Paul was ministering, that the believers began to trust in the Lord because of his, Paul says, because of my imprisonment. They began to put their confidence in the Lord. Instead of walking by fear, they began to live by faith. Instead of being in a place of, uh, of kind of forced silence because they're afraid, they begin to be convicted about sharing the gospel with others. Let us pray for confidence in the Lord. Think of this for just a moment. In Paul's situation, what was unknown? What was the unknown when he was in prison? There were a lot of unknowns. He didn't know how this would end. He didn't know if he was literally gonna make it out alive. He didn't know if he was gonna get in further trouble for sharing the gospel. He didn't know. Here's what he did know. He did know the gospel hadn't changed. He knew that the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ still had the power to save souls and change lives. He knew that God had called him for that very purpose. So there in prison, he stayed faithful to the calling of the Lord. Paul didn't know the other details. And yet, in the midst of his obedience, it motivated these believers all throughout Rome to do the same. They didn't have to live in fear. They didn't have to live in silence. They didn't have to live in anxiety. No, they could live in confidence, assurance. How? Because they were trusting the Lord. In other words, Paul's example taught them loud and clear that God was bigger than all that they were facing and he was still moving. Please understand, even in times of suffering and imprisonment, God is still working and moving. I love the way that John Philip said it. He summarized it well saying, Paul's boldness in his bonds his transparent sincerity, his tireless efforts, and his infectious enthusiasm dissolved the caution of his Roman brethren and rekindled their commitment. Man, I pray today 
May we be more focused on the offer of eternal life than we are the fear of offense. Brothers and sisters, may today we pray for confidence in the Lord so that we aren't silent, we aren't cautious, and we aren't more concerned about losing a friend than gaining a brother or a sister in the name of the Lord Jesus. We, I believe we should pray for confidence in the Lord. Secondly, we should daily pray for courage for the Lord. The Bible says that they became, began to share the gospel, share the truth, having, more, having far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. I believe we should pray daily, God, would you give me courage to be a witness for you? Would you give me a courage to speak up for you, to tell people about you? How did the Apostle Paul have such courage there in the, in the Roman prison? I find it very interesting that about eight to 12 months before the Apostle Paul was in that Roman prison, he wrote another letter to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter six, verses 19 through 20. And listen to what Paul prayed for as, he, as he's about almost a year away from this letter to the Philippians where we understand his Roman imprisonment. Listen to what he prayed for in Ephesians chapter six. Here's what he said. He asked, church, please pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. Listen to this, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Just eight to 12 months earlier, Paul said, please pray for me to have boldness in sharing the gospel. Here in Philippians chapter one, guess what's happening? He has boldness to share the gospel. And guess what happens? The church of the Lord Jesus Christ in Rome begins to have boldness to share the gospel. My prayer for us is the same in Acts chapter four, verses 29 through 31, that even in the midst of difficulty and even in the midst of circumstance, even in the midst of a pandemic across the globe, that we would be a people that would look to God and would say, God, would you give us boldness to proclaim your word? God, would you help us to boldly stand for the truth of the gospel? And may we find exactly what they found in Acts chapter four, verse 31, that when they prayed for that boldness, the Bible says the place where they were all filled, the place where they were was shaken and together they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. Friend, I want you to know the good news of the gospel is still the good news. May God give us confidence in the Lord and may God give us courage in the gospel witness with boldness to share the truth of who Jesus is. How did Paul have joy in the gospel? Well, he had joy because he knew the power of the gospel. It wasn't bound. He had joy because he understood what was happening. Not only was he proclaiming the gospel there in prison, but it was beginning to go all throughout the region, all throughout uncharted territories, all the people who had never yet heard all brought joy. But I want you to see finally the priority of the gospel. The priority of the gospel. In verses 15 through 18, we find a very... Sad and sobering reality in many ways. The Apostle Paul tells us in verses 15 through 18 that there were some who were critics. There were some who didn't stand with him. Now, now please understand, Paul had a single-minded single focus on the gospel. It was his absolute clear priority. This is why he didn't stay silent when he was in prison. This is also what strengthened him when others attacked him. Now, it probably seems strange to us today to think, you mean people would attack the Apostle Paul? You, you mean there are those who would, who would not agree with him in every detail? You mean there are those who would come against him? The sad truth is this. The same truth that existed then also exists now. 
And that is this. The more God does in and through a person, the more Satan will do all that he can to distract, deceive, and destroy. That was true in Paul's day. It's true in our day today. That as you are growing in the Lord, as you're walking with the Lord, as you're being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan will do all that he can to deceive you, to distract you. Why? Because his ultimate goal is to absolutely destroy you. That's where the apostle Paul was. Yes, many of us expect attacks from the enemy, but we don't expect them from our brothers and sisters. We just don't. Jesus said literally that we would be known by our love, and so we don't anticipate that someone who would profess to be a believer would be the very one who brings the accusation and attack. But that's what's happening in Philippians chapter one. Paul says there are people who are being motivated to share the gospel, but notice some are doing this, he says, out of envy. That sounds strange, doesn't it? Kind of get the impression that there were some who were sharing the gospel just to get a following, just to get people to follow them. Perhaps they were competitive and they were trying to build bigger and bigger numbers, so to speak, for the sake of competition. Please understand this morning that there's nothing wrong with growth. Did not the Lord give us the the record on the day of Pentecost that 3,000 souls were saved, 3,000 souls were added to the church that day? But here's the reality. The goal must always be, regardless of the numbers, the goal must always be God's glory and not man's. And there were some there at Rome that were preaching the gospel, but they were doing so out of envy, trying to draw people to themselves. They were doing it for their own glory. But not only that, the Bible says there were some who were preaching the gospel out of strife. The word literally means a factious rivalry. A factious rivalry. Now, we don't, we don't know what their rivalry was against Paul. Maybe they were just criticizing some of the things that he had said. Maybe they were reading the letters he had sent to the other churches, and they were kind of nitpicking every single word and doing this and that to try, to try to bring him down. Literally, Paul says in this moment that they do this out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. They were doing this for the express purpose of tearing him down and causing him distress. But there was a second group. Not everybody did that. There were also some who shared Jesus out of goodwill. The Greek word was translated literally in Luke chapter 12 as the father's good pleasure. The same word for goodwill in Romans chapter 10 verse one, Paul used it to describe his heart's desire. In other words, to share the gospel out of goodwill is to share it with a sincere desire for the benefit of others. In other words, when you're sharing the gospel to goodwill, goodwill, regardless of the sacrifice that it requires, regardless of the circumstance that you're in, regardless of the difficulty that it's required, regardless of the challenges that you gotta face as you step out in boldness, here's the reality. When you share the gospel out of goodwill, you're sharing it for the glory of God and for the good of the other person who's hearing it. There's some who share the gospel out of strife and, good, strife and envy and some who share the gospel out of goodwill. Now, here's the question for us and I'm gonna wrap up here in just a moment. If you were thinking about those two ways of sharing the gospel, those who do it out of strife and envy and those who share the gospel out of goodwill, wanting God's best for these individuals, which would you rejoice in? Which would bring you a place of peace and you'd find joy in? Which would you prefer? I think the answer is easy, isn't it? We would all say, let's go with the person that's sharing the gospel out of goodwill, looking out for others. Let's go with that one. But notice what Paul concludes in verse 18. I love this statement. What then? Only that in every way, 
whether they're doing it out of strife and envy, whether they're doing it out of goodwill, whether in pretense or in truth, listen to this, Christ is proclaimed. Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, he says emphatically, I will rejoice. Do you hear that? The apostle Paul was not concerned about his name. The apostle Paul was not concerned about his own feelings. He wasn't consumed by his circumstance. He wasn't distracted or brought down by his critics. No, you know what he did? He realized that even though he might be attacked, and even though the motives of others may not be God-honoring, here's what he realized. In the midst of it all, the name of Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. And the name of Jesus Christ is the only name that mattered. And the name of Jesus Christ is the only name by which man can be saved. And the name of Jesus Christ is the name by which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In other words, what the Apostle Paul was saying loud and clear for these believers to hear was this. It's not about me. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ, his death for the sins of the world, that he was buried in a tomb and that he rose again from the grave and that all who believe in him will be saved. I imagine there was hurt. But that hurt was a small price to pay in order that the gospel go forward souls will be saved, that lives will be changed, and that the name of Jesus would be proclaimed all throughout the world. Yes, Paul rejoiced, and he would rejoice even more as he saw that the gospel kept moving forward. What about you this morning? What about you? This morning, as I close this message, there's really two responses and two questions. The first question is simple, and that is this. Have you received the gospel message that Jesus died for your sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again? Have you received it and believed in Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Have you received the gospel by faith? You're not saved by works. You're not saved by religion. You're not saved by the good faith of your grandparents. You're saved only when you believe in Jesus that he died and rose again and you confess him to be the Lord of your life. So this morning, I invite you, if you have not received the gospel by faith, right now you can. So I would encourage you to accept Jesus and confess him as Lord. But maybe you're listening on the other end. I want to ask you another question. If you're here listening, you would say, Pastor, I've received the gospel by faith. I've been saved. And here's the question I would ask you. What are you doing today to advance the gospel? How is the gospel advancing like a pioneer advancement through your life, to your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace? I want to challenge you, believer. Let's not be silent. Let's pray today for confidence in the Lord 
courage to be the witness of Christ that he's called us to be. This morning, as we close this message in prayer, if you personally have never received the gospel message by faith and you're ready to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you recognize your sin and your need for salvation. You recognize the good news of the gospel that nothing you face or feel has changed the fact that God loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. He was buried and he rose again to prove that he's Lord. If you're ready today to confess Jesus as your Lord, right where you're sitting right now, would you put your faith in Christ? You can pray however the God leads you, but I wanna invite you this morning. If you're ready to accept Christ as Lord, would you pray this prayer with me from a heart of faith and a mouth of confession? Would you say, Father, I know that I have sinned against you. God, I know that I don't deserve salvation, but I believe this good news, that Jesus died for my sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again from the grave. I believe that he rose again. I believe that he gave his life for me. And today I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. God, this moment, right now, would you save me and cleanse me and make me a vessel for you. From this day forward, God, I want to live my life for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. If you prayed with me today, I want to encourage you to go to our website. You can see the link there at the bottom, crosslinkvia.com slash decisions. Let us know the decision that you made today to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you're a Christian this morning, let's commit anew and afresh that we will be the witness that God has called us to be into this world. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.